Welcome to the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman, unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Ian interviews some of the brightest minds who share proven methods to help you achieve success and grow revenue with integrity. Every episode concludes with a quick recap of actionable steps you can take to deliver tangible, immediate results for your business. Now, here's your host, Ian Altman. Hey, it's Ian Altman. We know how important it is to get the right financing or banking relationship in order for your business to succeed. On this episode, I'm joined by Jenny Stippelman. Now, Jenny works with an outfit called Eagle Bank, who... I will just tell you, she's one of the most respected bankers that I know, really just top-notch. She'll give her clients advice that doesn't even point them to her, but really to the best solution for them. I'm going to ask Jenny how bankers view lending. I'm going to ask her the three pieces of information to know to get a commercial loan. And finally, when should banks be the right choice versus venture capital, or is there an area for hybrid? So... Get out your notepads. I'm sure you're going to learn a lot from Jenny Stippelman. So, Jenny, welcome to the program. Thank you, Ian. Thank you. Very excited. Awesome. So, what else should our listeners know about you? Give us a little bit of your background. Well, so I have been, as you know, in banking, commercial banking for almost 15 years. And before that, I was in the world of finance as a personal financial advisor. I uh, have been in the area for 20 years, and I'm actually not originally from here. Yeah. Russian. Russian from Russia. Russian from Russia. Yeah. Where in Russia? In Moscow. Moscow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the, the mothership. I, and, and I happen to, and I happen to know that Jenny um, speaks Russian, English. Do you speak other languages that I don't know about? Well, you know, I usually say two and a half. I understand a little bit of Spanish. I don't necessarily um, communicate as well as I would like to, but... Always a work in progress. Yeah. So I always say that I speak one language solidly, like half English, half Spanish. And like, the you know, there's like a little bit of overlap. Those combine to a solid one. That's my uh, that's my goal. Now, we're, we're talking about how people get a business banking relationship, because obviously a lot of people, when they're growing their business, they find that all of a sudden, while we're growing, we wouldn't think we need money, but we actually do. Right. What are the biggest pitfalls that you see businesses make when they approach a bank for financing? Not realizing that uh, you have to be a good risk, okay. right? So when you come to a bank looking for financing, there's normally three things that the bank look, looks for. Okay. First of all, you need to show the bank, either historically or via projections, that you will be able to service the debt that you're requesting. Okay. You will need to show some type of collateral. Now, it doesn't have to be real estate or marketable securities. It can be accounts receivable. It, it all depends on the situation and the type of business that it is. Okay. And then also the principles behind the business need to show the bank that they have a habit of paying their bills. Okay. So the principles need to show some sort of past history of paying their bills. Because let's face it, if you're the bank and the principals aren't used to paying their personal bills, they might feel the same way about paying their business bills. Correct. Okay. Now, when you, when you talk about the ability to service debt, what percentage of the time do you find that businesses come to you and they already have a handle on those three things when they first approach you? You know what? It depends on what stage of the business they're in. Yep. Uh, in the beginning, normally, not at all. And yeah. you sort of have to take them through the process and explain that this doesn't necessarily work like a credit card. 
we actually have to look at documentation, we have to review it, we have to do our due diligence. Um, but there's some established businesses that you talk to, and they have those three things. And, you know, that way, the process goes a little bit faster, not necessarily, but it's, it's um, a more clear cut decision as opposed to not. And this is something that a lot of people overlook, that it's a regulated industry. Very much. So it's not like you can just, on a whim, say, oh, what the heck, we'll take this risk, because the bank has to balance its risk in terms of its depositors. Right. And FDIC and, and everyone else to make sure that they can actually they can actually deliver the return that their investors are seeking also. Correct. Well, and manage our bad debt at the end of the day, right? We yeah. the best they say the best loan is the one that gets paid back. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's normally at the very beginning, that's what you look for. Is you as bankers, we unfortunately have to look at worst case scenarios. So in a worst case scenario, how do we get our money back? Yep. And when I look back at my prior businesses, one of the things that would always freak us out is if we had to um, if we had to sign some sort of personal guarantee. Right. And I have to admit, the first time I'm like, what do you mean they want me to personally guarantee it? Right. But take people through kind of the bank's perspective on why, especially for small businesses, that personal guarantee is so important. Right. So the way the banks look at it is by requesting a loan whether it's line of credit, a term loan, whatever it is, you're asking the bank to stand behind your business, to support your business, to be a partner to your business. And what the bank expects then in return is for you as the owner to stand next to us, which means that once again, worst case scenario, if something happens to where the business is not able to honor its obligations, you as the owner promise to pay that debt. Yep. And we will work out if that does happen, how that ha- how that takes place, but that's basically our, our our view of this. Now, once again, if it's an established business and there's a proven track record of profitability and debt service, then after establishing a relationship for a while and sh- you showing the bank how you are able to pay as agreed, we can discuss and consider removing those guarantees. But to begin with, most of the time, especially with small businesses, we need you to stand next to us, with stand behind your business. Yeah, it's it's funny because one of the ways that I described it to a client of mine, they said, well, you know, we talked to our bank that requiring this personal guarantee. And I said, well, let's put it this way. What you're saying when you don't want to do the personal guarantee is, look, if things go bad, we're okay with you guys being stuck with it, but I'm not going to be. Right. We're not okay with you walking away, like being able to walk away. And that's not a very same side thing, especially because most banks aren't going to have a stranglehold of control of your business. So if you think about it, a principal could, in essence, funnel monies to themselves and then say, oh, the, the business can't pay back its debt. And now they've basically just you know, taken a gift from the bank, if you will, Mm -hmm. which when you think about it from the bank's perspective, doesn't make a lot of sense. No, no. And especially, like you said, in the regulated industry, another way to look at it is really in a two bucket scenario, right? One bucket is business finances, one bucket is personal finances. If you give us access to both of those buckets, we can look at business only cash flow, we can look at global cash flow, which is yours and the businesses. And we can see how, for example, if there's ever a hiccup on the business side, maybe personally, you can supplement and bring it up to the levels where we need it to be in terms of ratios, etc. If we only have access to that one bucket, that is going to be some very, very high covenant <laughs> situation where one move to the left or to the right, and we're going to be on high alert. Yep. 
there's different things that I see, I think businesses run into. The first is the notion of, look, I've got all these receivables coming in, but the cash isn't coming in soon enough, and I need a way to finance that. And the other is, hey, we're looking to make an investment in the business longer term. So how do those dynamics present themselves differently? So what do you look for as a bank if someone's looking for, let's say, a line of credit because they've got receivables they're looking to finance versus someone who long-term says, well, I'm looking for a loan over a longer period. How, do you, how does the bank look at those differently? So uh, we're mostly talking about short-term working capital versus permanent working capital. Okay. And so the way that we usually do that is for to finance receivables, it becomes a um, some kind of a line of credit, whether it's monitored, asset-based, revolving, there's different types uh, with different levels of uh, monitoring. Mm-hmm. And that depends on the type of business, the types of receivables, et cetera, et cetera. When we're speaking of permanent working capital, this is something that uh, can be either investments in personnel and equipment, whatever it may be, real estate. And so depending on what that asset is that's being invested in, it can be treated various ways. Most of the time, it still becomes a term loan that's amortized over a certain period of time. If it's real estate, just because of the type of collateral that that creates, it can be amortized over longer period of time, depending sure. once again on the cash flow and things like that. Um, but what that brings up in terms of collateral is that when we look at short-term working capital lines of credit, which is the ones that are used to finance gaps between the time that you do the work and the time that you get paid, you still have that receivable that is due that's gonna come in and that we can use for collateral. When you speak about permanent working capital, unless it's something like real estate or a piece of equipment, uh, it creates uh, potentially a collateral shortfall because business assets normally, especially in, uh, you know, in this area are, are receivables. Yep. And so, you know, while sure businesses have other assets, their computers and things like that, that's normally not a great situation. That's not something that we want to own in worst case scenario. You don't want to own that computer that's five years old? <laughs> Go figure. Not, not in a best case scenario, right? <laughs> uh, it becomes a pennies on the dollar. And yeah, the, we don't just have enough warehousing, right? So what we look at is whether the principals then can bring additional collateral to the table to secure that uh, permanent working capital. Not always. Sometimes we can figure out other ways, but most of the time, short-term working capital is based on receivables. That's, we consider that our collateral. Anything outside of that requires some creative thinking. Let me ask you this, because one of the things that I often tout about you is that you're one of the first people to say, when someone's a good fit and when they're not for your particular business. So I know that I've come to you in the past saying, here's something I'm looking to do. And you said, well, in your specific circumstance, you're actually better off working with this other bank, which makes it so that, you know, there's no one in the world I refer banking stuff to beyond you because I know you're always going to give people the honest feedback as to where's a good fit or not. So a lot of small businesses might be in a predicament where they say, well, gee, should I work with a bank or should I go down the venture capital or angel investing route? Under which conditions is a bank the right fit versus venture capital or or angel investing? You know what? It depends. Uh, A lot of times it depends on cash flow, right? And what stage the business is in. Once again, when you're coming to a bank um, versus going to angel investors or VCs, Banks are more bottom line driven versus top line driven. Yep. So if you are not expecting to be profitable, but expecting incredible revenue growth 
and you know other wonderful things you're going to need to talk to investors just because they look for revenue growth they look for top line and they will fund your growth basically yep. they will be able to fund those expenses to be able to grow to that level it sounds like this gets back to those three things for commercial banking. So a commercial bank says, okay, can you service the debt? And if you say, oh man, we're gonna grow like crazy, but we're not gonna make any money. The bank says, well, then you're not gonna have cash to pay the debt. Right. So it doesn't work. Right, right. And so, but then again, there's businesses that are saying, look, we are um, projecting to be profitable. And then as long as the ratios work out, then you can do debt because obviously that is cheaper than equity. Sure. A lot of times you can do combination. And this is where, um, and a lot of entrepreneurs don't necessarily like hearing that, but controlled growth is a, is a thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so if you are able to, as a business owner, to m- control it or maintain it to a level where you can take a little bit of equity and you can take on some debt and create a cash flow situation that is you're able to service debt, but you're able to grow to meet the numbers that you need. That's, you know, the best of both worlds. Yep. So it's just something that probably a lot of people don't think about is that kind of hybrid model. Right. Um, So that way, maybe they give up a little less equity. Right. And they get some of it as debt. And my guess is, as a bank, if you see that someone has taken on some equity, it probably gives you a little bit of a comfort level that, okay, we're not the only people betting on this horse. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. That's that's all. That's almost always a positive. But once again, it goes back to um, it becomes difficult to turn down projects a lot of times for entrepreneurs. But once again, it goes gets back to controlled growth, because with saying yes, you're increasing your expenses immediately. Sure. You need to hire people. There's all these things that start coming into play that you need cash for, and once you run out, what happens? You have to either continue raising money, or slow down a little bit. Yep. Yeah, and I think that's something that's lost on a lot of people is that idea of controlled growth. Right. I know that in, in my prior business, we were working with a bank this long before I knew you, working with a bank where we said, okay, we're going to start investing in the company. Um, we, were, we started building some software and we went to them, went to our bank and said, look, here's our projections over the next three years. And we literally hit our projections within 1% every quarter for three years. The end of three years, the bank said, well, where's your profit? And we said, no, no, this, that's what we were doing. We were investing back in the business, and it was a big bank that didn't get it. And because they didn't have the ongoing relationship that I know you have with your clients, they didn't get it. Because guess what? Over those three years, we had four different people assigned to our account. So no one had any continuity. And even though we showed them, look, here's what we showed you four years ago, and we've hit this dead on every single year over, over this three-year period, right. it didn't matter to them. And we ended up switching to more of a regional bank right. that um, that kind of kind of understood it. So, what are some of the things that a that a business can do to increase their chances of having a good banking relationship? Communication, okay, is is huge. So, what do you mean? And, and my guess is, when you say communication, um, it probably means that you have some good stories about people who maybe didn't communicate as transparently. Right. So. There's few people in your life, personally and in the business world, right, that you don't want to surprise. In the business world, you don't want to surprise your bankers, especially if those are not nice surprises. So if there is going to be an event or a situation that is going to throw the cash flow out of whack, if you let us know ahead of time, then everyone is going to feel better in the end. If there's 
you know, there's stories. I mean, it's if if you expect something, if your projections say one thing, and then come, you know, quarter end, it's something completely different. I would have liked to know that um, before I, I look at your numbers. Yeah. And you know what? For the most part, for the most part, uh, borrowers, clients, people are, are good about that. There are some people who just don't understand. They're like, but what do you mean? I've paid as agreed. Yes, but there's also these other things that you have to do that are being watched and monitored that, you know, I have to be able to account for. So it's interesting, but basically it's um, communication and you know what, do the right thing. I'm not there with you every day or every week, but if you do the right thing, even when I'm not looking, then that is huge points, Yeah, huge points. Excellent. So what I want to wrap up with is this, is let's say I'm a small business, I'm starting to grow. If there was one piece of advice you had for a business owner that says, look, if you're evaluating a business relationship, if you're, if you're looking for a bank, here are, you know, here's the number one thing or the top, you know, you know, pick a number, one to three things that you should do that will give you the greatest possibility for success, what would those be? Know your numbers. Okay. Cash flow, especially when the business is growing, is not a semi-annual, annual thing when you do your taxes. Cash flow is actually a weekly event, and you should be able to have enough information to track it and know where you are because that's even profitable businesses. That's where they get in trouble is with cash flow and really know what you're looking for. And sometimes, you know, you're not, even if the business owner is not in the world of finance, it's, it's hard to say, but in a perfect financial world, how would you like your business to run and operate? What do you need from your partners? So give us some examples of that. For example, are you expecting in the growth phase or just overall the gaps between the time that you bill and the time that you get paid? That creates one need. Do you expect to make investments? Do you expect to buy a building at some point? Yeah. Or, you know, have to build out an office? Are you hiring people? Or are you expecting to hire people if you win a certain contract or a project? And to basically have a list and be able to communicate that and know that... Um, you want a relationship that you want to be able to communicate with someone and be able to pick up the phone and get to a person as opposed to have to, you know, hit zero for yeah. operator. <laughs> I think that's a key. I think that the the notion of, I have to imagine when you go to meet with somebody and they know their numbers, they tell you their what they've done historically and what they plan to do in terms of monitoring their cash flow. They know how they're planning to use the money and when they're going to need it, it raises your confidence. And when you go to a loan committee, all of a sudden you say, yeah, these guys have their act together, as opposed to somebody who says, well, you know, so here's our projections. It's on this napkin from lunch today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that in more than anything else is probably something that sets a tone for you in terms of whether these people have a good handle on their business or not. Right. And don't get me wrong, in small businesses, sometimes you do get it on a napkin. But me sort of saying, okay, this looks nice, and then returning the napkin back to you and saying, now can you send it to me in Excel or QuickBooks or something (laughs) like that? And you being able to turn it around around relatively quickly is, you know, basically have the systems in place to be able to produce good information when you need it or when when whoever else needs it, whether it's an investor or banker or whatever it is. And you know what? There's good bankers at many banks, no matter size. Just know what where you would like to be. Yeah. 
No, that's great. So Jenny, obviously, if people want to learn about Eagle Bank, they can go to eaglebankcorp.com, which is the Eagle Bank that you work with. But if people want to find you online, let's say like on Twitter, what's the best way for them to find you there? Uh, actually, very simple. My Twitter handle is at betterbankcoach. So that's really the best way to get a hold of me without having to spell out my long last name. And I will tell you that Jenny is an amazing resource. So if you have questions about this, if you post a question to her on Twitter, my guess is you will get not only a quick, but a thorough response. So Jenny, thanks so much for spending the time with us. Thank you for having me. It's a shame that it's unusual to get such candid and transparent advice from a banker. Let me give you the top three things that I think that Jenny shared that you can take and apply to your business. First, if you're trying to get a loan, make sure that you understand your ability to service the debt, that you understand what collateral you can use for that debt, and also make sure that you understand the paying history of the principals, because that's going to be a factor, especially in small business lending. You want to make sure you're thinking about the bank supporting your business and realize that the bank is ultimately looking at the bottom line rather than the top line, as opposed to the VCs that are looking at the top line growth, and they might be able to fund you in a different way. Finally, if you're trying to get that commercial loan, make sure that you walk in knowing your numbers, that you've got a good handle on cash flow on a regular basis, not just once a year, and that you know what you were seeking and how you're planning to use the funds and at that point, communicate transparently with your banker and hopefully build that type of same-side relationship. This show gets its direction from you, the listener. If you know someone I should have on as a guest, or if you have a topic you'd love for me to cover, please let me know at ian.altman at growmyrevenue.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everyone can embrace, even your customer. Thank you for joining us each week for the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman. Unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Be sure to subscribe to our program on iTunes or Stitcher. Don't miss Ian's weekly newsletter and be a part of the conversation on growmyrevenue.com and via Twitter at Grow My Revenue.